0: Hello, listeners. This is Rand from Animosity. I'm back with another episode. Last time, I talked about A Boy and His Dog from 1975 and did my review on that one. And this time, I rolled a 2, which gave me a movie that's set in the 1200s. I rolled a 5 for a crime type of movie. And I rolled a 4 for an antihero. And What I got was The Court Jester. So I'm going to take a little break, and we're going to be talking about my review of The Court Jester from 1955. So stay tuned. Okay, we're back. So the movie that I'm going to be reviewing today is The Court Jester from 1955, in color. And this was an interesting movie. It the genre was a little different. Like it did have some crime in there, like they're like very subtle, like um, people trying to figure out like who done it type of thing in a way. But it was more comedy based. And the other movies that were like the runner ups, I didn't have access to those, so I had to choose this one. And this was on Tubi. Was it? Yeah, I think it was either on Tubi or Pluto. I'll double check. I'll put it on the notes so you guys can watch, so you you all can watch this and uh, follow along with me. So, and the actor, I forgot the name of the actor on here, but I'll probably put his name on on uh, the the notes below so that you can understand who who he is and where he comes from and stuff. But uh, I remember watching Corchester a while back, but I only watched like bits and pieces of it and it was when i was watching it with my mom when i was sick with chickenpox, i believe so it was probably around nine maybe eight can't remember but anyway um we were just watching some old movies and happened across this one and the other movie that i watched this main character in was uh the first version of secret life of walter mitty apparently it's based on a book so i'm gonna have to read it one of these days but anyway, it's that actor from the old the first version of Walter Mitty, not the one with uh, Ben Stiller in it, which is also a good movie. Like they're both good in their own ways. But anyway, that's not about the movie. The Court Jester is about the court jester and it starts off with the main character who is the Black Fox. So it's kind of like a take on Zorro a little bit. And it's interesting because um it's the he starts off being like It's a musical, in a way, like he starts off being the called the Black Fox, and he's like a Robin Hood. I guess they didn't have the rights to do Robin Hood because um, he was basically like Robin Hood, um, and like robbing the rich, giving to the poor, and stuff like that, but it wasn't like with money. They're trying to um, make sure that this child, who has a birthmark, of a flower on um on their rump and this baby was going to be the next king in line so and they happened to have that it was like part of a prophecy i believe and the main character had that child but it was never really clear whose child it was i probably lost like Whose child it was from the very beginning, because I kind of got, I got, I got a little bit sidetracked of like what was going on, because um, they're talking really fast with the with their rhymes and the musical numbers and stuff, so it was like really hard to follow. But nonetheless, so that's what I gathered, and they're trying to dethrone the king, who's a horrible king, by saying by bringing up this prophecy that there is going to be a child with a birthmark of a flower on the rear end. And that was going to be a child. And uh, that was a comedic thing. Cause uh, whenever the main character was like, uh, I guess flashing the people around, like showing the baby's rear end, they would just bow and be like, your majesty and stuff. So it's kind of funny that way. So it's very comedic. And, um, and then there's like a love interest happening. Again, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but you probably sh- should all have seen it if you haven't. It's a o- really old movie, but it's in color, so it's one of those like um, old movies that does... One of those old few movies that had color instead of black and white back then. And, um, and it's taking place in the 1200s, obviously. And the costume design is very colorful. It's almost like they're like... We have color now. Let's try to utilize it as much as possible and just have it, like, stand out a lot. And it was really cool. Like, like with the old um, traditions of the people, like, what they're wearing back then, I think it was spot on, like, how they looked and stuff. They probably did a lot of research on what people looked like a long time ago with the knights and court gestures, of course, and kings and queens and whatnot. So, anyway, the court jester, you find out that the main character, he is not who he says he is he was only pretending to be the black fox there's actually another guy there that is black fox and just um he's basically the comic relief in the clan of uh people that are trying to do good that are hiding in the forest and stuff and trying to bring the child into that kingdom to show that this is the rightful king and this king is horrible and stuff so it's kind of like um Um, like, uh, Jesus's story, if you will, of, like, um, because if you look through the bloodline of Jesus Christ, um, before, like, his lineage and everything, um, he was, he was supposed to be the king of Jerusalem, like, literally the king of Jerusalem, and somehow, like, Herod became the leader in that area, so you can do some research and find out about that. But anyway, it's like that, that type of story that they're, like, um, uh, I guess, bumming off of, and, uh, no pun intended, of course, for the child's rear end, but anyway, um, so, and they have this heist that they have to do, and try to go in there, uh, um, under radar, because apparently, like, the kingdom is, like, uh, they know about the prophecy, and they're trying to prevent it from happening, and so, the main character who we thought was a black fox is just a common com- comic relief guy. He goes in there and then he he was he he goes in there disguised as a court jester. Like the court jester that's the court jester of gestures and, and gestures of kings and the king yeah, it was a king of the court jesters and the gesture of kings and so but it's kind of like saying like you're basically the king of fools so oh well so that works and um so he disguises himself as the king, king of the court gestures and he has his love interest with them and they really love each other they're very passionate about each other and kind of like head over heels that way and then when they're going in there there's like the king's daughter who's betrothed to another but she's not happy she wants to find somebody based on like actual love instead of some stranger it was a time back then that they were doing that so yeah and then when the court jester who's this, well the main character who's disguising himself as a court jester he's coming along the princess rec- well doesn't recognize him the princess notices him and wants to f- find some attractive, so then she has like a little witch type of person which that um, foretells her future and that she was going to fall in love with somebody else and so she's like gun ho about this but if the prophecy doesn't or if like the predictions doesn't come true from the ru- the witch, the princess will kill the witch and stuff, and she jokes about that all the time well. She talks about it. She doesn't joke about it. She's serious about it. So, so the witch is, like, making sure that her fake predictions come true, and she uses her spells to make things happen, and it becomes, like, a really good comic relief because the court jester, he's um, the main character. He, I'll just call him the court jester, even though he's disgu- disguised as one. He, um, he is not very confident and the witch helps him become confident so that he can woo the princess, and this goes against his wishes because he already has a love interest, so it's kind of like a little bit of a love triangle that's happening there, but he's not in love with her. He's only in love with her because of the spell that the witch gave to him so that the witch could basically save her own neck, so it's out of that, and it's got some funny numbers in there, very musical funny numbers, and Rhymes. It's basically Rhyme the Movie. When it comes to, like, these musicals, because it's... Yeah. And a long time ago, they would have to... Like, even, like, Shakespeare's plays, if you read into it, they do rhyme. That's the right way. They're very poetic. And have a certain beat to them that, I guess, it helped people remember things. Which is kind of interesting, because it's... it's the rhyming is what is trying to uh, like help the main character stay alive because there's one point where, um, there, I don't know how it goes. I'm not even going to try, but, um, um, there, when, when the the princess, uh, says to the king that she's in love, with the court jester, the king's like, Oh, that's unheard of. I'm not going to allow this to happen. But then some people that want the court jester to, um, um, cause like the princess, she's betrothed to this other guy and this other guy wants to be with her. But when she, when he hears that she wants to be with the court jester, he's jealous and he doesn't want that to happen. Cause he's like, I want the kingdom and this princess to be my wife. So then wh- what ends up happening is, um, the followers of that king that wants, um, that princess they devise like a plan to make sure that the court jester becomes a knight so that um the king can fight the court jester to win over the the heart of the princess and he's just trying to um, save his life and the the witch is trying to save her life so that she so that the princess can can marry the court jester and stuff and um It's really confusing throughout, but that's what's happening. And so they have to um, fight in like a lance fight with the horse and all. And when they're about to do that, the witch knows that uh, the court jester isn't really confident in killing with the sword so she devises a plan to poison one of the drinks because they have to do a toast before they um fight joust and stuff so then she tells him like a certain way of like trying to remember via rhyme of how to tell which cup has a poison in it and so he has to recite um that rhyme that tells tells him where the poison is but he gets it all jumbled up and he picks the wrong cup but then but before doing that um one of the followers of the king that wants to marry the prince uh, overhears this rhyme and he tells that king about that, and so he's like reciting to himself and he's doing it right, but the court jester is doing it wrong and just jump, just stuttering and mumbling and under his breath, breath and just like getting the rhyme wrong and it's just really funny. It's like, uh, yeah, that doesn't make sense, but okay, that works. So then he picks the wrong chalice, and but then the king that wants to win the princess's heart choose the right one and when he realizes when the court jester realizes that um he chose the wrong one he tries to like <laughs> uh, switch arms and stuff so that he can drink the right one and everything and then the king that was like the funny part of that so then the king the main king of the story sees that um they're fighting over the drink and he's like okay non this is nonsense we're not gonna have the, the toast we'll just like start it and so then that plan was botched and um so then they had to fight each other via joust, and it's really funny because, um, like the court jester, we see, we, um, it almost looks like he loses his head from the lance going there, but then you find that his, he was hiding underneath his armor, so it's kind of funny that way. So it's, it's very comical, this whole movie is. And then when you, um, I can't remember what happens out of that. I just, like, um, lost track of time and everything. But he ends up fighting this other guy that's, like, the bad guy. There's, like, a lot of bad guys in here, and he's just fighting... The court jester's just fighting him off. And there's, like, a funny thing that's happening. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention, like, a, a while back in the movie that the witch put a spell on the court jester to woo the princess, and he would be this confident guy, but then every time she snaps... He would literally just snap out of it and be his normal self. And so whenever they're snapping or whenever there's like a snapping noise, he would snap out of it and be his normal self or snap back into it and be his confident self. So it would be back and forth and stuff. And with him like uh, doing a duel with somebody with a sword, like he, when he snaps into it, he becomes really confident. And he knows what he's doing. He's just playing with a guy, like a cat and mouse type thing. And then when he snaps out of it, he's normal. He's um, not confident, and he's just hysterical, trying to f- survive in the most like crazy way. But just like it's just funny. It was like, that was a comical part of that. And then finally, things toned down a bit, where they're removing all the guards out of the the kingdom, and all that's left is the king, and then they finally bring in the baby, they, they sneak the baby in, who has the birthmark, and they show it to the whole kingdom that the prophecy's been fulfilled, and that this baby is a rightful king, and then everybody was happy, except the king. So then, the king has to... Be dethroned because of this prophecy, and it's unanimous for everybody. And and it has a funny number that they had from the beginning, with like showing off the rear end of the baby, and everybody's like bowing, Your Majesty. And so that was a funny part. It's like the court was just flashing everybody with the baby's rump. That there's just showing the the left cheek of the baby. They didn't show like the full crack. I wonder if the reason they had to do that was because if they showed the full crack, then they would get a different rating. I don't know how the rating system worked back then, but you only saw like the left butt cheek of this baby with the purple birthmark. And I think it's a Pimpernel, I believe. I can't remember exactly. Oh, so it's probably a prequel to the Scarlet Pimpernel maybe, which is a good movie by the way, and also a good book. So. That's what happened. But the funny thing is, close to the end, before I wrap things up, is that um, everybody starts singing in unison, and they're happy and joyfully, and even the king sings. So then, yeah, we obviously know that it's a musical, but shouldn't the king, like, not be happy that the... being dethroned? Because the whole song is about uh, finding happiness and that... um, And he's not happy because he's dethroned. So I'm all like, okay, why is he singing? He's supposed to be unhappy. And I guess that's how musicals are. Like whenever you're in a musical, you're going to sing no matter what mood you're in. You're stuck in a musical just like the high school musical is. That's my theory that that, that's happening. But yeah, so that's my review on that one. And I'm going to take a little break to um, give my score on it. And then we'll talk about possible movies that we're going to be watching and some updates of things that are happening with my radio plays. And we'll take a break and come back. Okay, we're back. And as a recap, I did the movie review of The Court Jester. And out of the movie, I think I would give it a 6 out of 10 stars. Would I watch it again? Probably not. It was an okay movie, but... Nothing I'm going to watch again, and I'd much rather watch the the old version of The Secret Life of Walter Mitty with that same main character actor than this. I mean, it was, it was fun. It was campy. It was swashbuckling-y. I don't even know if that's a word, but it was fun in its way, but I don't think I would watch it again. It might be good for people who are older than me to enjoy it since it was in 1955, but I do like some movies that were released around that time, but this one wasn't one of them. But anyway, anywho, um, so the next movie we're going to watch are the things that I rolled. I rolled a four, and I got that's taking place in the 2000s, and then I rolled a two, and it's a sci-fi movie. And then I rolled a three, so I got a monster. But since I rolled a monster, I had to roll it again because there's a variety of choices of monsters. So then I rolled a two and I got a vampire. So this would be interesting. And I have a list of movies. I had a larger list of movies that I could have watched, but some of them I couldn't watch because I don't have, like, I either don't have the DVD or VHS of it, or. Well, I guess it released, since it was released in 2000s, I had a DVD. No, wait. DVDs happened after The Ring, I believe. And The Ring came out in 2002? Anyway, DVDs were out in, two, in the year 2000s. And I would say that The Ring, the movie The Ring, was a cause of that because everybody was afraid of VHSs after that. But anywho, so I had a big list of vampire movies that I was going to watch but since they're not available on any streaming services or I don't have like DVD access to it as of yet I'm, I've chosen these movies cuz they are in, in streaming platforms that are easy to access for me at least so the other option the options I have is Queen of the Damned from 2002 it's on Tubi currently Blood Rain but it's like spelled R A Y N E from the year 2000 I know it has Ben Kingsley in it and it's also on Tubi and then there's Batman versus Dracula from 2005 and it's on HBO Max so those are my options and I do have like a link below that you guys can vote on for which of these three movies we should watch or if you have a suggestion of movies that other vampire sci-fi movies in the year 2000 that I could watch that'd be great I have thought of doing even Dracula 2000, but I have seen that one already, and it's not my favorite, so we're not going to watch that one. We're going to try to watch these these movies, because I haven't seen these movies, and there we go. So, again, put down your choice of which ones I should watch, and we'll, we'll watch one of those for next time. And a little update with my pod... Uh, not my podcast. But yeah, well, it is part of my podcast. Uh, my radio plays... I'm working on some more uh, stories from Apparition. I've got one more that I'm working on. And it might be released before this episode or even after. Hopefully before so that uh, I get these episodes going. And then after that, I'm going to try to get the episode of Beardman Chapter 2. And then after that, I'm going to get some other episodes that are coming up as radio plays. Like Gulliver's Travel in Space. Um... There's Highway to Hell, Michigan that I'm working on, and I'm also, with these radio plays, I'm going to have them released on this podcast, and also I'm going to try to make books out of these so that they will be available and you can read them if you can't, if you're deaf or you want to read them instead of, like, listen to them on my podcast and everything. So, anywho, that's... The update as far as now with my radio plays and what movies I'm going to be watching next. And stay tuned, my friends. Become a sponsor. Help me out as best as you can with Patreon, all that jazz, and stay cool. And I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.